You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we are just a week away from Utah kicking off the season against Florida. We're talking all things Utah Utes as we get ready for the game, and we're joined by Brent Cianci from Pick 6 Previews to talk about the Utes. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And we got, I guess we have Scott. Yeah, buddy, you bet you got Scott. It's football season, boys. Let's go. It's a week away. Oh my goodness. Can you guys believe we're almost there? We're almost there. We're recording this Wednesday night, the 23rd, and we're pretty much a week away. Do you have your red shirts with your black sleeves ready for the game? I'm going sleeveless. It's it's a protest. <laughs> protest. We need to get rid of, we need new sleeves. You think that's what they're, I mean, I know it's a red out, so they're going to be wearing red, but they wear the black sleeves or they wear the, the throwback reds? Oh, I've. Trust me, this is Utah. We're wearing we're wearing our black sleeves. It's our red uniform. Our sleeves are our our sleeves are hideous, and our uniforms. I, I actually like a lot a, a lot of the uniforms, but man, we've screwed up those sleeves. We need a new look. We need a simpler look, a cleaner look. I know that's not what we're talking about right now, but hear me out. A beehive oh, and go. some gray oh, on those gosh. sleeves. If you, if I can't I can, even take you seriously, Cam. No, if I can't get a beehive on the helmet, at least give it to me on the sleeves. Why? You think you think the sleeves we have now are bad? We're gonna have like buzzing bees swarming a beehive okay. on our. Okay, I'm a little joking about the gray. I mean, I do love me the some big gray. Twelve. The Big 12 will kick us out, and deservedly so no. if we do something like that. I tell you, a beehive would look sick. No, it wouldn't. It represents the state. It represents the state. A lot of things represent. You know what represents the state? Mountains. How did that turn out on our sleeves previously? Okay, no, that was bad. I will give you, you are that. No longer, you are no longer allowed to talk uniforms. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. This podcast got off to a rip roar and starts. The, the inner, the interlocking you, the interlocking you should be like the home, the, or like the standard sleeve, right? Like all red with the interlocking you. But give me a beehive every once in a while. What, if any okay, of you now, are still listening, this is going to be a great podcast later. You, you've, you've, you've opened Pandora's box. I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm charging through this door. We gotta go. We gotta go back to the drum and feather. Full bore. There's no way that's happening. Why? We're no longer associated with the woke schools of Cal and Stanford, right? We're now. We're now with country folk. Like, <laughs> come on. They 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 have like American flags tattooed all over their body. They're all about America. In the you Indians are about America, baby. Let's bring it back. Carlin, are you listening? We want the cannon back. We want new sleeves. And we... <laughs> Come on. This can happen. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Drum right. and feather. And, I... and while we're on the branding topic, can we get rid of the 12 different logos throughout the stadium? Let's pick a logo and go with it. <laughs> All this because I said, "Do you have your sleeves ready for the game, dude?" Sleeve the the the, the word sleeves tr is like a trigger for me. <laughs> oh my god! Right, let, let's get into into some latest news for Utah. You know, two weeks ago, it was all about Bryson Barnes being that quarterback. If Cam is not able to go against Florida, and the latest comments from Winningham seems like Nate Johnson has closed that gap, and it's really a neck and neck race for quarterback two just in case cam can't go i, I kind of feel like because of all the attention it's getting from the coaching staff i think we're gonna see a quarterback other than cam in florida i hope i'm wrong but where are you guys on this topic are you team johnson or team barnes 
this is kind of a mess. That at a week before the game, and obviously there could be more uh, cemented decisions uh, within the program that they know what they're doing. But the fact that, I mean, Kyle's kind of alluded that things are still up in the air, and uh, which which concerns me a little bit here. Well, it concerns me a lot. Let's be honest. A week out of Florida, and we're trying to decide between a a four-star Elite 11 quarterback or a walk-on who's a pig farmer. And and even if we get Cam, we're not getting Cam with a lot of practice time or really – you know, we're just not going to get the normal cam rising that we we've grown accustomed to seeing. So, my concern level is is red alert right now. Um, but I think I've gone back and forth. Obviously, I've made it known not a huge Bryson Barnes fan, but I think there's pluses and minuses to both. If 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 it ends up being Bryson. I think you're going to get a guy out there who's going to do enough to win and who's probably going to be able to avoid that big mistake that could cost you this game. Now, switching it over to Nate. Nate's got the highest ceiling of any quarterback, I think, on this roster, probably including rising. Now, just due to athletic ability, due to speed, does he ever fully achieve that? I don't know. But with no game experience, I'm a little worried about that big mistake in his first game. So I'm 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 a little on the fence in that regard. Yeah, I would be nervous about a young quarterback going against an SEC defense. I I get that. Ryan, where do you sit on this? I don't know. I part of me thinks that Whittingham's doing some smoke and mirrors here just to, because he just because he can, not necessarily to throw off Florida. I mean. Although the way they're doing it, Florida's got to basically prep for three quarterbacks, so maybe it is strategic. Um, I mean, if if you're right, Ryan, Brandon Rose may start. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, obviously, Cam Rising would be the answer if he's ready. And and my thought is. Yeah, he's not going to be 100% even if he's cleared by the doctors to play because he hasn't gone through the conditioning and the and fall camp to be completely ready. But isn't a Cam Rising who potentially is 80 or 85% healthy, isn't that better than a guy that has no game experience? Here's my here's my here's my one concern with that. And and I, obviously, I'm no doctor. But I would tend to think, yes, he gets cleared to play. But if he goes from zero to 100 in a game, does he put himself at risk to re-injure yeah. it? Oh, it's I entirely mean, possible. Because you almost think maybe it's a smart play to give him a little extra time, let him start practicing, letting him get live reps in practice and kind of get his – obviously get his confidence going again because that's part of this but get you know get confidence in that knee that he can do it in live action i i i just don't think i don't think we're gonna see cam on on uh, next thursday i just i just don't think it's gonna happen even if he gets cleared i think, I think the, key, the key thing you said there though is the confidence because even if the doctors say your knees 100 percent go out and play his brain isn't telling him it's a hundred percent. I mean, you're going out there playing against SEC defense and speed, and you've got to have some thoughts in the back of your head. Like, are you? Are, are we sure this is good? Are we sure this is a hundred percent? Well, well, what do we know about Cam Rising? The dude loves to run. He loves to. He loves to make plays happen. He loves to pick up yards on the ground. Um, whether they're designed or whether they're not. Now, obviously, Ludwig's not going to put him in harm's way. They're not going to be calling designed runs for him. But his first inclination, as far as how he plays, is it's not there. Pockets collapsing. I got to get out. Now, he's not going to be able to do that. And 
but will his mind in those moments stop him from knowing, hey, I, I can't go do that? Does he take a sack? Does he throw it away? I mean, there's a lot of unknowns here. Um, I just, I just, I maybe we see him at Baylor, um, or maybe we don't see him till UCLA. I just don't think at this point. I'd love, obviously, if he's if he's cleared to go and and he's able to do it. I'd love to see him at Florida. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be Nate Johnson who uh, who starts on next Thursday. And I really wonder with this being a non-conference game, how much that factors into it. Right, because this has no bearing on the Pac-12. That no, happened last no year, Utah lost the game, and they were still able to make it to Vegas and, and beat the Dirty right, Trojans. But I w- what I will say to that, in years past – the Pac-12 title was goal number one. This team, Rising didn't come back. Keithy didn't come back. All of these guys didn't come back just to win win a three, you know, to go to win a third straight title. Obviously, that's an incentive, and obviously they'd love to do that. But this team wants to take the next step. They want to get to the playoff. And you lose to Florida at home. Yeah, at okay. home. Probably is not happen unless you run the table the rest of at rest of the way. But if you lose to Florida, chances are next week when you go down to Baylor, if you can't beat Florida at home, can you beat Baylor on the road with a backup quarterback? Yeah, that's a lot to ask. And so, I mean, yeah, if your if your goal is to get to the to the playoffs, you're you're wanting. I mean, obviously, you're not going to put him out there if he's not ready to go. But yeah, that's and I'm sure Cam's just itching to get out there himself because he's got goals too. Um, he wants to beat Florida, get back, you know, a little revenge after what happened down there last year. So, so are you are you both saying start Barnes? I don't. I think my Did my thought on that is that what I heard. No, he's Cameron or Scott said he was going to start Johnson. But he, I, 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 but, I am, but hey, Scott pulled a Ryan. He was kind of on the fence. No, no, oh, Cam, you need to listen to that. what I said. Hey, I said yeah, I am all on, in on Johnson. He has, oh my he's gosh, been my boy since I called him last year because he oh runs like a deer. Word. A deer, I, or a gazelle. I start <sighs> Johnson until Cam is a hundred percent. And guess what, Cam? I think that's what's going to happen. I think Whittingham starts whoever. Whittingham needs to get out of his own way when it comes to quarterbacks, if I'm well, being honest with you. Okay, maybe that's I, you true. Know, but I, I can't argue with you on that. I, I think you I think you give I think you give Ludwig the call on this. I, think, I, I don't I, want another brewer situation on our hands. I think you also have to what plays into this also is his confidence. When, when I say his, I mean Whittingham's confidence in the defense. If he is really confident in how good this confident in how good this defense can be, then you probably take a shot with the unexperienced but athletic Nate Johnson. Or you, I honestly, I could see Whittingham saying, "Our defense is going to lock these guys down." I just want a quarterback who's not going to make a mistake. Oh yeah, I could go that way for sure. And then, and then it's Barnes. So now, if you're making the decision, if if it's really neck and neck, like Kyle Whittingham says it is, between Barnes and Johnson, I have a hard time picking Barnes over Johnson simply due to the fact of the just different style of quarterback they both are. You've We've, we saw it with Urban Meyer when he was here at Utah. Spread out the field, make them defend the quarterback. You've seen it spread through in the entire college football landscape. Everybody runs a spread now, well, except for Utah. But if you can, with, with Nate Johnson's speed, the dude can run the 100 meters in like 10 flat. If, if you can get that type of speed on the edges, I just think you've got to see what you've got. If he can be that dynamic in the running game, make the defense account for him and his ability to run play after play, and then he can do enough through the passing game. I mean, we honestly, we could see a performance from Nate Johnson that absolutely blows us all away. We really could. 
And then we got a then we got a controversy about who's uh, who's starting the rest of the year. No, just kidding. We don't really have that. But <laughs> but I think there's there's a chance if he's if he's come along far enough in the passing game, like Kyle Whittingham has said, with his speed, I think you have to go to him, and you've got to just see what you got. If he goes out there and makes some mental mistakes, you know, I think you can always bring in Barnes at that point. But I think you've got to give Nate Johnson the chance here because the the sky really is the limit. If 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 he shows up when the lights turn on, it could be it could be fun. And that 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 could be the electricity that this Utah team needs until camp gets back. And not not to mention, what are the look at the the trick play potential and just the speed out of the backfield with uh, J.J. at running back. And Nate at quarterback, the read option. I mean, it, it could be fun. It could be a lot of fun. And then you have Bernard in there. Scott, you're speaking to my skyline triple option heart right now. <laughs> Give me a little wishbone. How is skyline these days? And we don't need to talk about that. They're 0-2 this year. We don't need to talk about Oof. that. Woof. They lost to a charter school on Friday. It's because they can't recruit anymore. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Brett Cienci from Pick 6 Preview and get his perspective of the Utes. All right, Utah fans. I Honestly, my favorite interview that we have in the offseason, right before kickoff, Brett Cienci from Pick 6 Previews. Brett, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Cam and crew. It's uh, great to be back on with you guys. One of my favorite annual stops. And, um, you know, time to talk about my Pac-12 champion pick, Utah. You know, it's just another year, guys, where they're overlooked. They're defending champs. Nobody talks about them. I pick them. You guys prove me right. And we do it again next year. So, um, but yeah, it is a little bittersweet this time around where it's the end of an era where, you know, obviously the conference realignment spun around again and it's the final season of the Pac-12. So, um, what a great way to go out if uh, you, you can go win it a third time in a row. Oh, I would love a back-to-back to back for the Utes. I would love it. You know, we'll dive into the Utes, the Pac-12, kind of college. I, w- I really want to get your perspective of what's what's been happening to the Pac-12, Some someone that's, you know, on the East Coast, um, really get that national perspective from you. But before we go into it, pick six previews. For our listeners that maybe haven't bought in their book yet, can you kind of just kind of dive into it and tell us exactly what this what this book is and what are you breaking down in it? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, you know, Pick Six Previews I launched in 2012, a college football preview magazine. Um, you know, to try and challenge the ones that were on newsstands because while I liked the work that they do, um, I always thought they could dive a little deeper, and there were certain aspects of the game that weren't being captured in those books. So. I set out to, to build my own. And, um, you know, after 10 years, I have the 10 year accuracy title, most accurate predictions in the country, uh, by Stassen, who grades all the publications. I've got the 10 year, the five year, the three year. So the triple crown right now in prediction accuracy, you know, Utah's a, a big reason for that too. I keep picking them. They keep proving me right. Um, but no, what I've done here, it's a one man operation. It's completely me. Um, I'm doing all 69 power five teams. And uh, it's really holistic where I try and do my advanced stats, but then put it back into a readable format because nobody wants to read computer code or acronyms on the page. You want to, you know, have the graphics on the left side of the page, but put it back into football terms. You know, what schemes are the coaches running? Um, how the hell's recruiting going? Uh, so all of that. I talk to head coaches. I talk to coordinators, uh, beat writers, and listen in to local shows like yours. I mean, you guys are my go-to Utah podcast right there with Bill Riley on the radio. Um, so yeah, all that to say, it's a 365 day project, uh, to get it down to this book. We have the hard copy edition this year, which has been a big hit along with a digital option. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, the 12th season, a little bittersweet, like I mentioned at the top with all the conference changing. Um, you know, last time I'll ever write a PAC 12 preview, pretty sad, but, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's a beast of a project. I mean, if you like my Twitter account, it's basically my Twitter on steroids. Uh, it's just, um, you know, I pack all the pages as much as I can get in there. No, I love it. it it's my go-to, honestly, in, in, in the offseason, the only one I get. And, okay, I know it's like a preview to the season, but I, I read it all season long, especially as we're uh, podcasting about Utah's opponents. 
it's always the first thing I go to to kind of read up about the teams Utah's going off going to be facing that week. Uh, so I I love it. I'm a, I'm I am a big supporter, big time customer. Well, thank you. I, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate the praise. I'm I, I'm reading right now on Utah, and you talk about how you you were uh, watching the spring game on the Pac-12 Network. So right there, that tells us a lot about you about this publication because there's some. There's a lot of you fans who don't even tune in for, uh, for the spring game on the Pac-12 Network. I mean, the, the 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 level of detail that you go into and the time. I mean, we see on Twitter you're staying up for Pac-12 after dark. You're you're invested in the Pac-12 where a lot and I and you're on the East Coast where a lot of the media really doesn't pay attention to the Pac-12. So. I mean the uh, the amount of detail and time that you put into this it's it's crystal clear why you're successful and man year after year it's awesome. Thanks. Well, I'm glad to see that come through. That, that's the goal with it. So that's great to see that reflected uh, from the readers. And um, yeah, the goal is to bring you a different angle, a new angle, stuff you haven't learned about your team, uh, even the ones that follow your team like a diehard. I want to give you a new angle, but then get you up to speed on all your opponents, your conference mates, the national scale. So. Um, yeah, Pac-12 Networks, that's a good tell. Another good tell, I've been complimented on this, where on the radio, I called him correctly, Makai Bernard. And uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the serious XM guy was like, that's how you know a, a real football guy. They, everyone else calls him Micah. Um, but this guy's definitely in the weeds watching games and tape and, and you know, reading up on it. So uh, that was a little uh, you know, serious XM note there. That's, 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 awesome. that's Micah Bernard, who is not a running back. Or who's not not a cornerback? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so just to tag or just to go along with, I mean, it is your book is super impressive, and to and to think that you put this together all by yourself makes it even more impressive. But can you just kind of give our listeners a snapshot of of how long it takes you to put this together? I mean, are you? As soon as the, the previous season ends, are you starting to put this together for this next season? Yeah, well, I like to say the next year's book starts right when games kick off of the of that season. So, I mean, every Saturday in the fall, I, I got four screens I'm watching for 14 hours, really from noon East Coast till 2 a.m. East Coast and finishing up with the Pac-12 Network uh, late games. And, you know, late Saturday night and Sunday morning, I'm running my numbers for that week, getting the, all those box scores and, and key metrics in there. Uh, refreshing my numbers week to week. Um, throughout the season, I do some radio, uh, some writing. I'll be back on KSL this year in a fl- uh, freelance role covering BYU and Utah. Um, and then, yeah, once the season ends, it really, really kicks into gear uh, where I have all my 2022, you know, the previous season numbers in there, uh, start working on my graphics. Um, but then really the research begins where I'm, I'm calling head coaches, calling coordinators, positional coaches, talking to as many people as I can. Uh, watching every, every spring game I can get my hands on, you know, talking to beat writers who are on the scene covering these teams, uh, practice notes, everything, every bit of detail I can find I'm using uh, to my advantage. And then, um, yeah, and then you get into writing season in April, May, June. Uh, I write every team, all 69 Power 5 teams myself. And then I got to turn around and edit the whole thing. So I go from writer to editor. Uh, and then the last bit is just designing the page. You're getting all those graphics back in there. Uh, and then final selections, you know, the conference predictions, the playoff bracket, uh, all conference teams, unit rankings. And uh, and then, yeah, so then hit hit publish. It goes off to the print press. And then we do about a month and a half of radio and podcast, which I, I love. And it's great to hop around across the country and talk about it. So uh, now the cycle is about to repeat where I, I saw on Twitter uh, seven days from now, y'all are going to be grilling a five foot long alligator there at uh, Rice Echo Stadium. So. Um, I can't wait to see what that looks like at the tailgates. That's awesome. All right, so staying on uh, the top of predictions, you tweeted out today that uh, you've got Utah ranked uh, five spots lower, essentially, than what the AP poll um, had the Utes at. Kind of break break that down. Obviously, you mentioned you love picking Utah. They prove you right year after year. But with this team, you know, a lot of pieces coming back, but there's there is some uh, there is some uncertainty with Cam Rising and and Keithy coming off ACL injuries. 
kind of give us your breakdown of why you've got Utah ranked so high this year, where many people are a little bit more skeptical on the Utes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, there's a lot to like here. I'll start on defense where, um, you know, most off seasons I get to talk with coordinator Morgan Scally, one of the best in the game, very passionate guy, defensive genius. Um, and I noticed with Utah is they go through cycles where when they're younger, they have some growing pains, but they're still solid defenses. But when all that turns into a veteran team, a veteran defense, they really hit their stride. Uh, I'm talking top 10, top five nationally type defense. You saw it in 2019, you saw the cycle again in 2021. Last year it was uh, on the younger side. So I think all that is now returning. Uh, several all-conference guys, I think five guys made by all-conference team on defense alone. Um, you look back at that five-year and 10-year track record on defense, I love it. Um, and then specifically, uh, statistically, first half of the year versus second half of the year defensively, you saw a huge gain, a lot of progress in that back half of the year as those younger players got experience. So follow the trends forward. I think you're going to have a solid, solid defense this year. And then offensively, you hit on it. Those are the two question marks. Now, when I published it, I, I thought that he'd be a little bit more uh, ahead of schedule in the rehab. I thought he'd be back 100% for week one um, in Cam Rising. But, uh, you know, for a conference prediction, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw away September because those are still important games. But for a conference prediction, I think he's going to be back fully healthy for that UCLA game. I'd, I'd imagine um, the timeline would, would, would line up that way. But, um, yeah, and then I love the running back stable. Um, what else? The offensive line, the O block has been a proven product year after year. The tight ends and, and the way that Andy Ludwig uses them. Very, very creative. So. All in all, I see a two-time defending champ that returns its quarterback, a bulk of its roster, and the defense is going to improve statistically based off that youth getting more veterans. So uh, there's really a lot to like all around the table, and i like Utah to win it again, or at least get to Vegas again. So, Brett, Cam Rising is obviously a fan favorite here. They play Bad Moon Rising when he's running out. They have hoodies and sweatshirts of, of Thick Boy, his nickname. But as you're looking at all these different teams and quarterbacks across the the college football landscape where do you see cam rising fitting in with all other p5 quarterbacks do you see him as one of the top level ones kind of in the middle or, or maybe on on bottom tier where, where are you seeing cam across the country yeah well i think first start within the pac-12 footprint it's such a quarterback heavy conference this year i mean you have a returning heisman winner with caleb williams there on the first team I put Michael Penick second team. It's just going to be a stat play. I think they're going to throw for a million yards again. Uh, Bo Nix is back at Oregon. He's a Heisman candidate. So there's your top three. From there, there's no reason that he can't be in that fourth or fifth range, maybe with Jaden Delore if he has a good day uh, at its best. But with Cam, I mean, you can throw those kind of things out. What I really like with him is his killer instinct late in games, his leadership. Uh, he's always in control, it seems like. Uh, the guys play better when, they're, when he's around them. So all those intangibles and, and, you know, some other magazines, some other networks might not look at those kind of intangibles, but football, you know, that, that, that stuff matters. So football, I mean, all those buzzwords matter and Utah is your best example of it as a program. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm a huge Cam Rising fan. I think he's a warrior. So uh, hopefully he gets back to hundred percent and um, you know, on a national level, I put him in the, you know, the upper third, if you will, maybe the top 25 area nationally. Um, and you know, with a one last year here, you could surge even higher. Go and pick kind of staying with the offense. Um, you picked Quindon Jackson to, to, to be the starter. And I think all of us are expecting the, him to be the starter when the, the depth chart re gets released in the next day or two. Um, kind of talk about what, what you saw, cause he made the switch kind of three or four games into the season from quarterback to running back. and really had a big impact and I think a lot of us are as fans are expecting you know now that he's had one year of experience plus an entire offseason to maybe even see a bigger step in that improvement yeah well there's a lot here I think um you know with with Tavian Thomas departing I think it's more of a stable room in terms of who's going to be your starter or at least your top two uh the reps and practice stuff will be sorted out uh, more uniformly. I think it's going to really help with his development at the running back position. But yeah, right when they put him in there at running back last year, uh, it was very intriguing to watch. I enjoyed it because um, you, you rarely see that position switch to go from QB to running back. 
Um, and it, it did keep cracking me up when the announcers would call him a converted receiver or they, they just couldn't figure out where this guy <laughs> came from. It was like, guys, he's a quarterback, but, um, yeah. So, but no, watching him play running back was really fun to, fun to see. I mean, you could tell he was a little bit new with it. He was running really upright, um, through the, through the tackles, through the holes, but, uh, he's still truck guys. He's got that big frame. Um, he posted a high 6.8 yards per carry and that's a first timer. So imagine a whole season of off season training. Um, and practice reps, like I said, starter reps, and I think you're going to see a, a well-polished product and really a game changer for Utah's offense. Brett, I want to, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about Andy Ludwig, obviously, since he returned to Utah, um, you know, he, he's kind of fits Kyle Winningham perfectly. He, he, he runs the style of offense that Kyle likes to run. He's going to, he's going to do enough through the passing game. He's going to run the ball. He's going to control clock. Um, and that's just that's just kind of Whittingham's M.O. Obviously, this offseason had some attention. Notre Dame was uh, was trying to steal him away. Kind of it was obviously huge for Utah to retain him for this specific year. But just in general, keep continuity on the staff. Kind of give give us your thoughts on Ludwig and and what he's meant to Utah but also, I mean, do you see Ludwig as a potential head coach candidate down the road here? Well, on that note, real quick, I, I don't really know every, all the coaches, um, you know, personal endeavors or personal goals. Who knows? If he wants to, he might get some opportunities, but uh, he's a great coordinator. I'll speak to that. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame, that's a, that's a heck of an endorsement. In fact, I'll call Utah 1-0 already to start the season, the way they won that battle. That's a huge <laughs> battle. Yeah, that's a blue blood program, and I'm sure that their offer was pretty lucrative, and it's got all the history there. So that's a serious win for Utah. I think he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country um, because you look at, you know, it's not always five stars in these positions, but he develops them um, as good as anybody. I mean, his play design is really unique. I don't think anywhere else in the country I see tight ends getting so many carries and, and rushing touchdowns. It's just incredible um, the way that he can involve those guys. Um, what else? Yeah, and then on a statistical note, it's, I, I include in the book a 10-year grid showing the coordinator's performances, offense and defense, um, adjusted for opponents and all that. And when you look at the offense spot for Utah, he's got uh, the top three of the last decade at Utah. And if you throw out that short 2020 year, which was a, a weird one, all three of his real full-season offenses, that's your best three in over a decade at Utah. So he's done a, an incredible job here. Um, and I think you see it with some of these position changes. Um, the way the offensive line continues to develop, um, the next man up that I've noticed when a starter's knocked out, they always have an answer. So stuff like that. And on top of the play design we touched on, he's, he's a great coordinator and, uh, really has helped Utah tremendously. So Brett, reading up on your breakdown of Utah, again, like one huge indicator, Utah fans, that Brett knows what he's talking about. He calls out Logan Kendall from last season. <laughs> like, I don't even know if half the fan base could even call Logan Kendall out. Uh, Cause really he was used for blocking. And I think he only had maybe one catch all season. Um, but sticking with that tight end group, you know, Brant Keith, he's coming back. Uh, Thomas Yasmin is back for his senior year. Where do you see this Utah tight end group? Um, especially in the pack 12, Utah fans were high on it. Are you high as well on the tight ends? Well, yeah. I mean, we'll start right with Keithy. I mean, I, I can't believe he's still back in college, but that's a, a good thing because he's been really impactful for so many seasons for Utah. I uh, just touched on it, but the guy gets rushing touchdowns. He gets carries, a ton of receptions, uh, can block too. So I, I, I hope he gets back to 100%. He's a real game changer. Um, you can learn a lot about a guy too uh, based off coach interviews and um, I think it was when he got knocked out for the season, they asked uh, Coach Ludwig, and he was like, our offense was Brant Keithy. So, um, but no, I mean, and then, then he showed that he was resilient and, and was able to redesign the thing. And um, so the next man up really helped. Dalton Kincaid jumped right in, broke a record. Uh, Yasmin really flashed. Uh, I think he was a former rugby guy. or uh, So a little bit newer to the sport, but you can see just the raw potential, the raw athleticism. Um, once he starts running down the sideline, he's, uh, he's tough to take down. So. I like the, that one-two punch of, uh, of Keithy and Yasmin. And, um, you know, on a conference scale, I've got Frank Keithy as my first team all-pack 12 tight end. 
And on a national scale, you know, this is assuming he's back to full strength, but I've got him on my fourth team uh, tight end spot. So getting some national pub in terms of a tight end room, I think I'd only argue maybe uh, Georgia has a lot over there uh, with, with an all timer at tight end. Um, you know, Iowa is always strong there and Nebraska has two five stars. So uh, it's hard to compare uh, just the tight end room itself, but I really like these two they have. Hey, jumping back to QB real quick. So assuming Cam Rising does not, uh, is not available to go in the first game, um, we're looking at probably Nate Johnson or uh, Bryson Barnes. And about a, 10 days ago, Whittingham said that Bryson Barnes was QB2. And then with, as of about two days ago, it's neck and neck between him and Johnson. So I'm curious to see, you know, if you, what your thoughts are, do you go with the athletic, inexperienced guy, or do you go with the guy that maybe doesn't have the flash, but has a little bit of game time in him? Yeah, well, I guess I lost track of his eligibility uh, with Bryson Barnes because I had always assumed that Nate Johnson was number two and that he was the next man in line. Uh, we saw flashes of him last year. Both of his carries, his first car- carries went for touchdowns. Um, I heard he's got a 10-400 meter uh, uh, time and you know a, a lot of elusiveness in the Wildcat packages last year. And uh, I just assumed that with a full offseason of passing progression, he'd be a pretty well-polished guy to be QB two, pretty much the QB in waiting for when rising departed after next year. Um, so yeah, it, maybe it's still a battle. I don't know as, as specific about fall camp is going, but, uh, if it's up to me, I go with the, the raw potential, the higher ceiling, long-term Nate Johnson, uh, you know, throw the, the speedy guy in there make some plays and distribute the ball to this running back stable, get behind that offensive line. So, um, but you can't go wrong because we saw Barnes, I think it's now, uh, two Rose Bowls in a row. He was called upon and, and led scoring drives and really uh, seems like he's in control of the team and, and has the locker room behind him too. So um, two capable guys, very different styles. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm biased. I love a running quarterback. I think it makes you account for another offensive player. And uh, with 10-4 speed, I really like that upside. But um, yeah, we'll see what they come out with. So Kyle Whittingham, he's, he he always is talking that the lifeblood of any program is recruiting, right? You got to have players, you've got to recruit at a high level. Early on in uh, your your magazine, Utah was consistently at the top or near the top in your player development rankings. Now they're nowhere to be seen, which obviously is a direct correlation with their rise in recruiting. You know, last year uh, uh, finished the season. Top top uh, top twenty one in the country, um, best best recruiting class they've ever had. Based off of what you're what you are seeing, the trend that Utah has been on, are they hitting their ceiling as far as recruiting, or do you think they can still take some steps for, further and get top twenty, top fifteen? Yeah, no, I don't think they're near their ceiling at all. I think that it's we're seeing this thing build in real time, and it's finally breaking through. Uh, there were some breakthroughs early on. I remember when they signed Clark Phillips when they stole him from Ohio State. That was, I think, at the time, the, the program's biggest recruit ever. Um, and then, you know, we saw his success in college, now drafted high. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, – and then as a class, your first top 25 class ever, just this February, you're seeing the impact of back-to-back conference titles on the Power 5 landscape. Rose Bowl appearances, you know, beating USC twice in a year. Uh, you're seeing all that come to fruition. And I think it's just getting started. I think people take for granted how hard it is to move up from the non-AQ to the Power 5 level. Uh, not just on the field, but all that branding that goes into that, the recruiting profile. Um, so it takes some time. And, and you saw a steady, uh, steady incline increase when you look at their 10-year recruiting trend. It's been all the way up. And I think it's just getting started. So if you fast forward a few years and you're in this new Big 16, I think the Utah is going to be a contender every year down there. And so if you keep up this winning pace and, um, you know, there's no reason that now with a new profile, I know they love recruiting into Texas anyway. They love Florida now in the conference with roots and both of those. Um, yeah, I think they're just hitting, uh, they're hitting their stride is what I would say. We'll see if they can start stacking top 20 classes. So Brett, one thing I, I do love about your pick six previews is, I mean, not only do you go in depth on every single team, but you have a lot of different rankings and formulas that you use. You know, one that caught my eye was was the win conversion uh, that you're doing. Utah was ranked fourth in that. 
kind of what's the what's the the how do you formulate that one conversion? Really, what is that telling um, a reader? Yeah. So some of the other uh, stuff I put in the book, I, you know, I, I think other magazines and some other national pundits they look at recruiting rankings and they stop there. It's like okay, they signed a top ten class, they're a top ten team and a top ten program. But I mean, that's a great starting point. Recruiting is very important. You got to get guys in the door. But then remember, they're there for three, four, five years. So what's happening those years on campus? You know, is the player development up? Is the strength training going well? Do the schemes work? Are you recruiting to your scheme? Uh, are you retaining players? Is the locker room, you know, locker room uh, co- cohesive? You know, cohesive and you know all those buzzwords you want to throw around. They matter. And um, so I try to put a formula to that. And um, yeah, so what I do with these is I take your average recruiting class ranking and then compare that to the outputs of all right over the course of those years how many games do they win relatively and, and you know how many drafts uh how many guys they send to the draft off of that so um looking at win conversion specifically it's your recruiting ranking over a span of years correlated against the wins on the field so you know we'll take utah for an example here and uh in the years i was measuring they're usually around 40th in recruiting and they're up there in the top 10 and wins so that's a huge boost that's telling me that the coaching staff is doing something right, a lot of stuff right. You know, they're identifying talent that will fit within their schemes. The schemes themselves work, and uh, they're getting it done. So, yeah, top five in win conversion. Um, and, and yeah, you, your question about player development, too, it's a similar one. It's kind of a catch-22 because as your recruiting rank increases, uh, the metric is just expecting you to do even better increasingly on draft day. So. I like to look at these um, on the edges, like, you know, a top five or a bottom five that really paints a picture. If you're somewhere in the middle, like I see Utah's 27th in player development, they're doing what they should. I mean, they're, they're signing now what would be top 30, top 25 classes, and they're producing NFL draft picks. So um, I look at the outliers on the edges where you have uh, a top five or a bottom five. Hey, Brett, I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on you know, the demise of the Pac-12, uh, you know, we kind of alluded to it in the beginning there, that this is the last year you're, you're going to be able to write uh, about the Pac-12, at least as it currently stands. But, uh, you know, from a from your view on the East Coast, which is obviously different than what we hear kind of out here, um, you know, it's, it, it, from, our, from our perspective, it's kind of sad that the Conference of Champions, so to speak, is is no more. Yeah, well, I think it's definitely sad. If, if you love college football or college athletics, I mean, you like to think that there's regionality involved, there's in-state rivals, there's regional rivals. Um, that stuff matters. That's that's why we all got into college football and college sports. So when you knock out the whole West Coast, the whole West Coast Conference, I mean, they've been in business for 100 and something years, 105 years. Uh, mm-hmm. So you wipe that away, it's, it's going to be strange. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm based out of Pennsylvania. I love the Pac-12. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the only ones out here watching it. Uh, so I'm not the typical East Coaster, if you will, because I'm I'm crazy. But um, no, I love it. I mean, you, you have so many different types of football, different styles of football. Uh, back when Mike Leach was in there, you had an air raid at Washington State. You had that death row defense at Washington. Uh, Utah is a whole different uh, like you know style than Washington State. And then you had the LA schools. You had the desert schools. So I, I liked how all that pieced together. And um, you know, it was always good football. Now the problem is. A lot of the national people and East Coasters, they view a conference's strength based on if you get a team in the playoff. So they'll look at the ACC and think, wow, that's a, that's a really strong conference. Look, Clemson has been in seven straight years. Whereas for me, I don't really look at it that way. I could see that the, Clem- that, uh, that the ACC is pretty weak outside of Clemson, but the Pac-12 has a lot of above average and strong teams that beat each other up. Um, so yeah, while you're not placing teams in the playoff, as frequently, I think it's still a really strong conference football-wise. So all, those, all that to say, I'm, I'm pretty upset it's going away. I, I'm excited for the new Big 16 because there's still some regionality there. Uh, you get Utah back with TCU and BYU, which I know is bittersweet for you guys. Um, but there's still some rivalries there. It's that Big 10 that really bothers me where you have USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington going out to play you know, Iowa or Indiana or Northwestern. It's just that's really when we threw geography out the window and made it very obvious that it's just TV money. And I don't view it. I don't, I don't come at it from a TV money angle. So uh, to me, that's that's kind of rough. So I'm really going to enjoy this last year, the Pac-12. I think it's the best year of the conference 
that I may have ever seen. I got four teams in my top 12 nationally. I think all, all four of them could win it. I mean, it's definitely weird, as, as you said, and especially with the rumors that keep circulating that Stanford and Cal are in talks with the ACC. Like, it, it, it's just weird. College football is just changing, it seems like, every single day. Um, you know, I know in your magazine, you give a your your uh, prediction for the playoffs. How excited are you, and what, how, what do you think it does for college football that this is the last year for the four teams and it expands? Um, do you like that, growing that playoff? Well, there's some goods and some bads from it. Um, you know, to me, when I think of what I love about college football the most, it was never really about the postseason bracket or, or even really uh, the national championship game. It was really about the journey there because the way the college football is built where you have 12 games to prove yourself and such tight margins of era, uh, error, it's almost like it was a 12-week playoff. And, um, you know, I think a little bit of that importance might be lost if you know that you can lose three, four, five times, just win your conference title game uh, and be right back on the same playing field as an undefeated that went through, you know, 13 games in the SEC. So bittersweet for me um, because I just don't want it to change. I don't want it to, you know, take away from those November and October Saturdays where, in my opinion, that's already my playoff. That's that's the most important thing to me is the importance on those Saturdays. and. You know, I, now the, the positives of it are I think you're going to get more teams involved in that bracket. Uh, a lot of teams, I guess Utah being a good example, where you win your conference with three losses or two losses. Yeah, you're outside a four-teamer, but you're in that 12-teamer, and uh, you have a chance to compete on the national scale. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's an unpopular opinion, but I'll, I'll stick with my guns. It's been probably a decade I've been de- defending the four-teamer. I think four is perfect. I think that that's still... Um, you know, in the, in the odd case that you have five or four undefeated champs, you have a way to prove it, but every, everything else, I mean, it still retains all that quality we love of the regular season. So, um, I just fear it's too much change too quickly. And, you know, we're already, the cat's out of the bag on that one. We're already going a hundred miles an hour with change. So why not just change that too? All right, Brad, before we let you go, I got to get kind of your prediction, your thoughts, uh, for Utah for this upcoming season, you know, as a Heisman Trophy voter in yourself. They're going to be going against USC and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Williams. Where do you see Utah in the Pac-12? Yeah, well, I've got Utah winning the conference. I have them there playing Washington and Las Vegas. I know that USC is the trendy pick again. It reminds me of this time last year where that was true. Um, But uh, this time around, yeah, I, I had a chance to talk with Lincoln Riley USC's head coach, and he was really excited about the defensive personnel they added through the portal. And when you look at it on paper, it is very impressive. Um, last year, it was all about the offensive firepower they added. This year, it's all the defenders coming in. But um, so that that keeps them in the top ten. Uh, but to me, though, they still lose a lot of key linemen. No one wants to talk about what they lost. They lost an all-American defensive tackle and two all-American offensive linemen. Um, uh, I'm sorry, a defensive tackle and two O linemen. So. They lose a lot there, and I think the Utah has the formula to beat them. Um, the first one was really a coin flip during the regular season, but that second half last year was a total beatdown in the in the title game. And, um, so long story short, I have Utah and Washington in Las Vegas. I have USC a close third, and I have Oregon a close fourth. And the only reason I call them all close is because on a national scale, I have Utah eighth, Washington ninth, USC tenth, Oregon twelfth. So eight, nine, ten, twelve, all jam-packed there. Uh, in the national top 12. Awesome, Brett. And, you know, before we let you go, where can people find your, your stuff? Where can they purchase it? Where can they get all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, on Twitter during the season, it's at pick six previews. And then uh, for the preview book, it's pick six previews.com. Uh, all spelled out. And on there, I have a couple of sample pages. You can see what we've been talking about, the, the page layout, the level of detail I do for every team. Uh, so samples, testimonials are on there from the college game day guys. Um, and yes, we have the hard copy edition still shipping out. It'll get there before your kickoff. I guarantee it. Uh, and then also the digital copy. And if you buy the hard copy, I email the digital over anyway. So you have it while the book is with USPS and transit. So they're kind of covered both ways, but pick6previews.com. Awesome, dude. Hey, uh, and Utah fans, how do we get a GoFundMe? to maybe get Brett to vote rising for Heisman at the end of the year. 
It sounds okay. a little bit like the Iowa gambling scandal here. I got to be careful. <laughs> I didn't um, no, I'm a huge Cam Rising fan and a huge, uh, you know, Utah program fan. I mean, the, uh, the fans themselves are very passionate. Uh, that sellout streak's impressive, and uh, the home win streak is continuing. And, of course, I call them pick six U because they've had 19 straight seasons with a pick six. Uh, the record, I think it's a record. It's definitely the most longest active streak. So, um, yeah, we'll take bets on uh, when, when you make it 20. I think uh, 20 <laughs> is coming. Get the hashtag going. 20 is coming. 20 is like coming. It. I love it. Brad, <laughs> thanks so much, buddy. Take care. Thanks, guys. All right. Always great to talk to Brett, have him on the podcast. As I said, it's I really look forward to it every year. He does a great job. And heck, I'll put it out there. Actually, a better job than a lot of local media people, if I'm going to put it out there. You should I mean, put it out there. It's, it's pretty clear the level of knowledge he has for this program. And, and he does that for all these programs. I mean, I think he definitely has, a, I think, an affinity for the Utah program. But uh, it's clear he he could do this really against any program in the country. And, I mean, it's just a credit to what he does, to how serious he takes this. And the fact that he does it by himself, that's what kind of blows my mind, that he does all of this by himself. And it's the the type of product that it is. I mean, kudos to Brett. It's awesome. Keep it, keep it going. That's way awesome. Kind of built it up all by himself. I will say though, sometimes it would be nicer to do things by myself because I don't have to deal with you two yahoos while you try to do some podcasting. Oh wow! I would love to listen to a podcast of this cam. <laughs> Not sure we'd be able to understand it. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott. Yeah, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can listen to us at our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die, Kayai. Bring on the Gators, baby. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Like, yes, I agree. The drum and feather should be number one. But I'm just thinking as an alternate to incorporate the state. That's why I like it. Oh, you know, Utah across the chest doesn't incorporate the state enough. No, it's it's like the why don't, why don't we do why don't we do the Great Salt Lake on the right sleeve, and we do like Bear Lake on the left. Bear Lake's Idaho. Oh, I've got it. We can in the word Utah, the A can be a beehive. Then we got I, both the best both the best of both worlds for you, Cam. I think we should do. I think we should do the Utah Arch right on the lower back, like a tramp stamp. <laughs> That's why I can't talk uniforms with you. Dude, that would be sick. <laughs> hey, Cam, have you had to go to a um, maturation program yet? <laughs> no, but Zach's in fourth grade, and I think it's fifth grade. Is it next year? I've oh, already, dude. To- I've already you- told Bethany I'm not going. <laughs> oh, you're going, and I want to hear all about it. No, dude, I am mortified. <laughs> Hey, I had to sit through it with Josh. Come on. <laughs> it's just going to be so awkward in the car ride home. Cam's going to be on the on the folding chair, just shoulders going like this, just laughing. No, I, my, my face will be down. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to stop the presentation. Excuse me, sir. If you can't take this seriously, we're going to ask you to leave. <laughs>